Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Beyonce, you look like Luther Vandross. Ho, but make it fashionable. It's Brittany Allen. We were rooting for you, Tiffany. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. This week, we're Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Sisters. I am going to be a star. Do I have to be solo or are you cheetahs ready to hit it big time? I can't handle four girls alone in Spain. Because we are sisters. We stand together. Those were my ideas too. And Aqua freestyled a lot of the hooks you use. Cheetahs, cheetahs. We're going to all of Barcelona will be your stage. We can't do this without you, girl. Oh my goodness, all of this, and we get to sing too? Say it loud and proud, girls. It's Cheetalicious! <laughs> I'm Josh Gwynn. Let's get it. We're going to talk about the Cheetah Girls, a meta Disney experiment in girl groups, musicals, and comedy. We're going to get into what the group was, what it wasn't, and what their impact is on culture today. And remember, Tracy's out doing some self-care stuff this season, and you know I support my girl. So today, we have a new guest co-host. She's a staff writer at the New York Times. She's queen of all the Scorpios, Jasmine Hughes. Hey. Hey, friend. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be here. First time Cheetah, long time girl. (laughs) I am so excited to talk to you about the Cheetah Girls. I told my sisters, and we have a group chat called the Cheetah Sisters. I love that. So I told them that I was representing for the group. For the girls. For the girls. (laughs) We're talking about these cultural icons. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's actually, it's crazy to think about in hindsight, and we'll get into this, but, you know, they had not only the movies. Right. They had the dolls. They had the albums. They had... Everything. (laughs) They had so many things. And we're going to talk about how the group got its start and how it grew into this huge entertainment charcuterie board (laughs) that we know and we all love. (laughs) 
We're going to also hear from its creator, Deborah Gregory. She wrote the books and she was a producer on all of the movies. But before we get to the movies, I'm going to put on my LeVar Burton hat. Real ones know, before the Cheetah Girls were the pop stars that we saw taking over our small screens, they were taking over our bookshelves. Let's take a look. They're on a book. It's dark skin black girls. Exactly. All right, so Jasmine, I have seen the first two movies. I didn't see the third one, and I probably saw them, like, when they first aired. (laughs) Like, I haven't seen them in years. They're pretty different from the books, right? Yes. I, an OG, started reading the books probably when I was, like, nine or ten years old. Mm -hmm. I had all those books. It's funny, I feel like women around our ages, I'm 31, they cite the Babysitter's Club as sort of like the most prominent series of their childhood. Yeah. But the Cheetah Girls, (laughs) I really rode for the Cheetah Girls, and I just remember finding those books with five beautiful, beautiful black girls on the cover and being like, I don't know what this is, but I know that I need it. I love this. I didn't read the Cheetah Girls. I was too busy reading Animorphs, but I am so glad that you're here because I want you to walk me through what the books were doing. Where to even begin? (laughs) There were 16 books. And I think I was pulled to them as a young person for two reasons. One, because they had all this fabulous animal print on the cover, right? So they're sort of loud books, and I was drawn like a moth to a flame. Yeah, if you look at the book covers, they're giving you Wendy Williams in her office. They are fashion. (laughs) They're giving Wendy Williams, they're giving my grandmother's, like, living room that is decked out in safari materials, like, yes. But in the middle of these book covers that were, you know, covered in animal prints were five women, all black, Mm. some of whom were quite dark-skinned, such as myself. Mm. And, you know, the Babysitter's Club had one black girl... And as a dark-skinned woman myself, it was one thing to have representation with another black girl in the group, but it was quite another to have representation with another dark-skinned girl in the group. Exactly. The fact that the Cheetah Girls had two? You didn't have to just settle? I could (laughs) choose. I would have options, which was actually something I had never really gotten before as a quote-unquote purveyor of culture, you know, when I'm 11, 12 years old. But in hindsight, it meant a lot to me. I'm sure. So tell me, pretend like I'm dumb, what are the Cheetah Girls? What are the ingredients? What's happening? There's life before Cheetah and life after. So (laughs) who were the Cheetah Girls? Who were they? Right? Five girlies, Galleria, Dorinda, Aquanet, and Anjanette, and then Chanel. Mm. And they all came from these, like, very fabulous, interesting backgrounds. Firstly, they all lived in New York City, but I think, actually, this was one of the ways that I found out that New York was a melting pot. Okay. Because there were Afro-Latino girlies, there were African-American girlies, Galleria was, like, black and Italian, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, do the right thing. (laughs) Then Dorinda was black and Japanese, you know? The Cheetah Girls were Obama's America. (laughs) (laughs) We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals, makes us stronger. Makes us more creative. Makes us different. Not the Cheetah Girls inventing biraciality, but in a way... (laughs) Multiculturalism. The Cheetah Girls were woke before it was woke. Anyway, 
I was trying to give, like, girly, fancy grown-up. Like, I was very much a kid who wanted to be a grown-up, but even more than that, I desperately wanted to be a teen. So, like, the Cheetah Girls books titles were It's Raining Benjamins or, like, Wishing Ooh. on a Star, Hey Ho Hollywood. It was just like, you know, in hindsight, it was a tiny bit sophomoric, but to my eye at the time, I was like, these are the coolest girls in the entire world. So, like, if you were to boil down what the Cheetah Girls book series was about, what would you say? You know, Josh, the amazing thing that Deborah Gregory did is that she created a world. Mm -hmm. Like, a real world of the Cheetah Girls, and there was a culture, and there were slang terms. So, at the back of every book, there was a glossary for the slang that they used, like Duckets and Benjamins and stuff. I probably still say Duckets when I'm drunk, which is deeply embarrassing. I actually love that. So, that was at the very back of the book, but at the front of the book, let me tell you... You remember church, right? You you know about church. Mm-hmm. You know when they pray mm-hmm. in church and it's supposed to be like beautiful and spiritual and all of that? Mm-hmm. Step aside, church. Because <laughs> the Cheetah Girls credo, like the pledge that you make to be a Cheetah Girl, because you don't just wake up with your spots, okay? You earned them. Okay. The Cheetah Girls credo is like... So thoughtful and good and decent. Jasmine, and you literally have your hand over your heart right now. I have now. my hand <laughs> over my heart. Deborah Gregory should be, like, writing stump speeches. Like, I'm ready to vote for president. Okay, so. Yes. The Cheetah Girls credo. Josh, if you would place your hand over your heart for me, please. I gotta stand up, take my hat off. To earn my spots and rightful place in the world, I solemnly swear to honor and uphold the Cheetah Girls' oath. Mm. Number one. Cheetah girls don't litter, they glitter. I will help my family, friends, and other cheetah girls whenever they need my love, support, or a really big hug. Number two, all cheetah girls are created equal, but we are not alike. We come in different sizes, shapes, and colors, and hail from different cultures. I will not judge others by the color of their spots, but by their character. Tell me why Martin Luther King Jr. then went on (laughs) to steal this. Okay, breaking news from Deborah Gregory. Anyway, it goes on to talk about how the things that we should be most proud of as young women is, like, both our beauty and our brains. Or encouraging young people to say, if you're really scared about something, like, go to an older cheetah girl, a cheetah elder, one might say, in your life, and ask for help. It was sort of like one of those American Girl books that was an instruction manual for how to be a preteen girl, but in, like, a sneaky fun way, you know, that didn't feel so preachy. Mm-hmm. Candy with the medicine. Medicine with the candy. I'm looking at the rest of this credo, and you know what my favorite thing about it is? Please, tell me. I mean, the message is just really positive, and I would love, if I had a child, I would give them these sorts of messages. But it's written in the way that all Black people start to talk, like, when they reach the age of 45, which is... <laughs> You know when black people just start talking in rhyme? Riddles and rhymes. You know, like, you want to be the boss, you got to pay the cops. (laughs) Or there's repetition, and that's supposed to really make the point. Like, don't have to get ready if you stay ready. If you don't prepare, you're prepared to fail. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. anything. Exactly. (laughs) And these kind of give me that energy, like, where it's like, true cheetah girls can achieve without a weave. Or a wiggle, jiggle, or a giggle. (laughs) Like, it's giving. Bars. 
bars. This is what Darren Starr thought he was doing when he got a bunch of like white gay men together to write Sex in the City. If they had somebody like this with the power of language. Oh, she would have killed it. Could have been a better show. That's just me. It's just me. Absolutely. A true cheetah girl doesn't spend more time doing her hair than her homework. Hair extensions may be career extensions, but talent and skills will pay my bills. Bars. Uh, Deborah. Bars. I'm so excited because we're going to hear more from Deborah personally about what creating this series meant for her, what went into it, and how she feels about it now. But before that, I think, you know, we should go to where most people know this series from. And I think it's the movies. I think it's Raven, Sabrina, Adrian, and Keely. And not Notori Naughton. <laughs> we're going to talk about that too after the break. Dana Carvey and David Spade here. You might know our podcast, Fly on the Wall, featuring guests from across the entertainment industry. We decided to do a spinoff called Superfly, and it's fun. It's just two of us riffing on current events, pop culture, catching up, impressions. Joe, Trump's trying to be a dictator. Yeah, she says, uh, you know, bump on the tater tots. Joe, no. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to and follow Superfly on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so we know how important these books are, but most people know the Cheetah Girls from the movies. Right. In the book, there were five girls, but in the movies, it got condensed down into four, but the films had a really cute way of introducing these stars. Oh, I remember this. This is their art teacher who has my favorite name in the entire series. Her name is Drinka Champagne, and she's like the girl's mentor, so she's the one that's introducing them. First, you had Galleria, the leader, the songwriter, the main girly. Galleria, when I look at you, I see a biracial hip-hop inversion of me. Then you had Chanel, Galleria's best friend, and she could sing. Mm. And Chanel, when I look at you, honey, I see a hot, Latin, spicy version of me. You had Dorinda, the group's, like, snazzy choreographer. Mm -hmm. She was also the only white person in the group, but she had soul. And Dorinda, when I see you, I see you as if I would. If you were what? Go ahead and say it. Everyone else does. Dorinda is like me if I was shrimpy and white. If I was able to dance. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you have a white friend, but they could dance, and you're like, okay, all right. Come on, Brendan, let's go. What's that TikTok sound where it's like, uh, do oh, you know? Right. <laughs> we're black, and I'm rocking with black folk and Mark. Exactly. Because Mark's rocking with us. Yes, Dorinda was the original and Mark. Okay, cool. And remember Anjanette and Aquanet in the books, like the beautiful dark-skinned southern twins? Mm -hmm. In the movies, those two characters got condensed down to a single person, Aqua. But she was cute. She was the one who had just moved to the city from Houston. And Aqua, when I look at you, I see myself as if I was from the sassy south. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. It's very that. It's giving Meg. <laughs> it's giving Beyonce. Keep that in your mind. Did you ever, when I was a young person, I would like read a book and look at the people on the cover. And when I was reading the book, I would look back at the cover just so I could. Because I don't have an imagination. That's why I'm a news reporter. <laughs> but in the book, all the cheetah girls were black and brown and beautiful. And then we had some fair-skinned girls and the caramel-skinned girls and the dark-skinned girls. Mm -hmm. But in the films, uh -oh. uh, the girls looked a little different. How you say? 
lights. Lighter. A little lighter. <laughs> lighter. I just, you know how Hollywood is. Mm-hmm. But, but Hollywood did one thing right. What? Disney got the fairy godmother, my fairy godmother, your fairy godmother, the only fairy godmother of soul. Somebody who knew a thing or two about singing and movies and musicals and singing and movie musicals. Mm. Can you guess who that was, Josh? Fairy godmother of soul. Uh, who? The one, the only, Whitney Houston. You know what? That makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's every woman. She's... Every fairy godmother, she's the fairy godmother from the Black Cinderella, the only one that matters. And you know what's crazy? Fun fact about Whitney Houston, she actually wrote the national anthem. (laughs) She wrote it. She made it up that day. Uh, She can do anything. Anything. Why shouldn't every child see their own kind? It's cool. It's It's all right. It's cool. So that was Whitney giving a behind-the-scenes interview for Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Whitney was the best choice to help the network bring more black and brown girls to the screen. Duh. But they didn't stop there. The network wanted to go all out for their casting. This is going to be a global phenomenon. It's going to be an event. Right. And so come the summer of 2003, the network started to build up to the premiere of this franchise. Behind the scenes of the Cheetah Girls, starring Raven from That's So Raven, Sabrina Bryan, and 3LW's Keely Williams and Adrian Baylon. The Cheetah Girls, four girls living their dreams, both on and off camera, tomorrow at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. Okay, so wow, wow, this is taking me back. We have Raven playing Galleria, Sabrina, she's playing Dorinda, and Adrian and Keely, they're playing Chanel and Aqua, respectively. Another fun fact for you, Josh, a little behind the music, a little pop-up video. Pop-up video. Disney casted Solange Knowles. You know her? For what? Aqua. Crate in the Sky, Don't Touch My Hair, writing compositions for the ballet, the New York City one. Solange Knowles was almost Aqua. I feel like Hillary Clinton would have won if Solange Knowles would have played Aqua. (laughs) It's just like, which universe would we be in? (laughs) We'd all be like, Elon Musk who? Like, I'd be over here with hot dog fingers, for real. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to President Blue Ivy. You know? But you know, it's okay. It's okay. Solange ended up dropping out of the film to pursue her solo music career. And so, you know, if you think about it this way, we might not have had Cranes in the Sky if she were a cheetah girl. We might not have had the Proud Family theme, you know. So I think Solange made the right choice. You know what's funny, though? This franchise was trying to create this family-friendly girl group, but two of the members were from 3LW, which, I mean, they started as three little women, mm-hmm. like, popping out of the street in their BMW that they were too young to drive, <laughs> talking about promises, promises. But I remember them wearing, like, bandanas as T-shirts, and they're on 106 in Park. They're in music videos, body rolling next to Lil Wayne. Sweethearts, bounce if you feel me. Little women love Lil me. Oh, the air of Little Wayne features. 
I can't get over Little Wayne saying little women love little me. But this is like a shift for them, right? Yeah, they were women. Like, I remember seeing that music video and being in my early teens and being like, oh, those are grown-ups. That's what I'm going to be someday. Yeah, like, they just put some curls in Adrian's hair and they're like, you're 13, girl. And Adrian and Keely were definitely coming to the Disney Channel with girl group knowledge, but also girl group baggage. Mm. Do you remember that Wendy Williams interview that Naturi did after she got kicked out of the group because they threw KFC on her? So it's you, the management, and the limo driver, this, the expedition driver. At the time. Okay, so the other girls come out, they, they got see their two pieces. Okay. And Keely actually had a dinner meal, like one of those big dinner plates with mashed potatoes. Yeah, because she's 16, she snaps back. Go ahead. <laughs> mashed potatoes. Damn you all for eating Macaroni like that. and cheese. Oh. And um, chicken, like, you know, the fried chicken. Yes. So it's in the big, you know, dinner plate. And she steps onto the to car, like the little lever. Yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Car. yeah. And then while we're arguing, me and Michelle, I'm talking to Michelle, and they're like, F you, you know, you calling me all kind of bitches and this, this, and that. And I'm talking, I'm like, yeah, whatever, y'all. Trying to ignore them, because that's been going on for at least a week right. while you were on the promo right. tour. Right, right. So I say to Michelle, what did I say wrong? And all I know is out of the blue, Keely just is like, F you. And then throws the plate dead in my face, oh, in my eye. My okay. eye was watering. It was yeah, well, you had mashed potatoes and gravy. At mashed potatoes mashed all over my hair, my face, down my clothes. It was a mess. And right then and there, oh. I was like, I don't have to take this. I've been waiting my whole life to talk about the KFC. <laughs> <laughs> As if black people haven't been through enough. All of a sudden, we're throwing fried chicken at people. Yes, I do remember this interview. And because you and I were young, like, this was drama. Like, I mean... Maybe respectability politics are good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're throwing chicken at each other. Like, Lord Jesus. You know, I mean, Josh, you're right, because fried chicken is lighter than a watermelon, and she could have gotten hurt. (laughs) But I remember this being a big deal. Like, we talked about it in school. This was, like, national news. Absolutely. In a lot of ways, the Cheetah Girls was a true pivot for these women, but it was also an extremely successful one. The Cheetah Girls movie, the first one, premiered with over 6 million viewers. That's crazy. Okay, so let's take it back. What's the movie about? A bunch of high school girlies have these, you know, these big, juicy hopes and dreams of becoming recording artists. And, you know, you and I are familiar with the Disney Channel. So Mm -hmm. how do all music artists get their starts? Or how does the Brady Bunch, like, raise a bunch of money so they can keep their house? Or how do we save the town? Talent show. you got to do the talent show. Got to keep on, keep on, keep (laughs) on, keep on dancing all through the night. night. (laughs) The girls want to be the first freshmen to win the high school talent show. Ooh, the pressure. And, you know, the high school's in New York City, so the pressure was on. Uh-huh. But as soon as their ambitions are underway and they're practicing and they're, like, doing their runs or whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. they catch the attention of a big-name music producer who wants to offer them a recording contract. Ooh. Um, and I've got some contracts here for the Mama Cheetah. Ah. Standard agreement. Number one, record a bump and demo. <laughs> Number two, have the record people fall in love with it. And three, make millions. (laughs) (laughs) So who's down with that, huh? Prayer works, Josh. That's what the Cheetah Girls is about. Okay. But, you know, like, 
There's a difference between winning your high school talent show and getting a recording contract. So mm. the girlies have different feelings about it, and it causes some tension in the group and some tension with their friendship, and they get a little catty with each other. <laughs> Go home. Do you like that? You like that joke? And the movie leads up to this massive big finale number in the crowded streets of New York City. And the girls make up, and they sing this fabulous song, which not only inspired me at the time, but has inspired my sister's group chat. And that song is called Cheetah Sisters. We are sisters. We stand together. We make up one big family, but we don't look the same. <laughs> the lyrics are so good. Hits. Actually hits. They're so catchy. Oh, the film is so good. It comes at no surprise that the Disney Channel quickly capitalizes on its success because if the mouth is anything, it's capitalistic. They wanted to see how far they could take this franchise, right? Right. Over the next three years, on the Disney Channel, the Cheetah Girls started popping up in a lot more places. They had the group record covers of Disney classics. Like, I won't say I'm in love from Hercules. No chance, no They covered songs for other future Walt Disney films. Oh, yeah, like the one they did for the Cars movie. Route 66. They had dolls. They had T-shirts. The network even had them record a Christmas album. Sorry to Mariah Carey, but... The girls were touring with Allie and AJ, the Jonas Brothers, and all these music-focused acts that were under the Disney music label, mm. Hollywood Records, in order to promote the fact that Disney had a music label. Okay. But, Josh, there was something missing. None of these projects included the star, Raven Simone. Mm. Raven Simone, yay. The most famous person in the franchise, by far, but also who played the main character in the Cheetah Girls, Galleria, the leader of the group. Mm -hmm. And why was that? Why was Raven not there? She was doing something else for the network. She had a little project. I don't know. Hmm. What could Raven Simone have been doing that kept her busy? Let's go. You, can you can gaze into the future. You know that life would be, be a dream. Life, life is, is a, a dream. dream. Go right. <laughs> but it's not that easy. No, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what a show. I feel like people really underestimate Raven's comedy chops and like her comedic timing. That's so Raven is unmatched. You can't touch it. Raven was obviously tied up in the most successful TV show of all time in the Hughes households. But do you know how pissed I would be if I was a fan of the Cheetah Girls, right? And I was like, Mom, Dad, get me tickets to the Cheetah Girls. And I go down to my local venue to see the Cheetah Girls. And the Cheetah Girls get on stage, but there's no Raven Simone, yay? You're like, excuse me. <laughs> like, 
You know, it's good for people to learn about disappointment from an early age. <laughs> like, I'd be so angry. But no, it was so messed up. Thankfully, though, Raven is in the second and by far the best film in the franchise called Cheetah Girls 2. The newest Disney Channel original movie, The Cheetah Girls 2, opens Friday, August 25th at 8, 7 central, part of Disney Channel's So Hot Summer. Our dear Whitney Houston, may she rest in peace and power, return to executive produce this movie. And this dude, Kenny Ortega, who was one of the masterminds behind High School Musical, directed the film. Oh, so this is where the millennial passage to Barcelona reenactment on the steps thing happens on TikTok. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So the Cheetah Girls are back. This time school is out. It's the summertime. And the four girlies are really excited to spend their last summer together before college. Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it too much because it is like a tight 90. Like everybody could just watch this film today. (laughs) But because we're talking about a Disney Channel movie, obviously there's another talent competition that they have to enter. Obviously. But also because it's a Disney Channel movie and because these are black girls with their white friend just trying to make it through this world, there are haters trying to break the group apart. Okay. Chanel is bonding with another artist, another musical artist in Spain who is not one of the girlies. Zorinda got herself a little boyfriend. Okay. I remember seeing her do like the little flamenco class with him. Mm-hmm. Because she's got the moon, she's got the rhythm and Barcelona. <laughs> you know, and she's white, so she fits in there. <laughs> Zorinda, you look great. Thanks. Are you ready? Okay, you guys, listen up. I'm gonna slow things down a little bit for New York here. They're always six hours behind, you know. We'll see about that, Barcelona. Aqua. Aqua was living it up. She was enjoying everything that Spain had to offer. She was like, me hablo español, so she was crushing it. And then Galleria is left trying to keep the group's dream of international stardom intact. She was like, we came all this way. We've dreamed so long and so hard. Let's keep our eyes on the prize. Okay, all right, let's take it again. Please, let's take a nap. Come on, that party was bananas, and I can't bounce back the way I used to when I was 12. (laughs) But we've only been rehearsing for 30 minutes. Besides, I wanted to play you this new song I've been thinking about for the festival. Josh, it's such a good movie. I just rewatched it the other day with my newborn niece. She is Aww. two months old, but it's important for her to know her history. Train them up right. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, this movie did even better than the original one, and it had a total of, I think, 8.1 million viewers. Numbers. Okay. This is the movie that got, like, strut like you mean it. Free your mind. You gotta stretch like you mean it. Free your mind. It's not enough just to dream it. Come on, come on, yeah. When you feel it, your chance to shine. What a jam. Yeah, hits. Cheetah Girls 2 had the hits, it had the location, it had the cutie Spanish boys. But there's actually one big reason why this movie is so important to the franchise. Why? It was the last time we saw Raven in her cheetah spots. The last time she was a cheetah girly. Boo! Tomato, tomato, tomato! Disney did not let that stop them. They went on to make a third movie, Cheetah Girls, One World, without Raven in it. So it was 
kind of a flop. Mm. I've never seen this movie before. I've only seen this clip of them dancing on this rooftop in India. But is it a Cheetah Girls movie if Raven's not in it? They never really explained why Raven's character, Galleria, wasn't in the movie. Like, all they say is this. That's it? It's kind of rough. Well, we're still working out the king. Yeah, we used to be a foursome. But then Galleria got into Cambridge. Which you know is great and amazing. Mm -hmm. Especially considering her study habits. But that's why she's in summer schools. But trust us, we totally got this down. Yeah, whatever. In reality, Raven was done filming the last season of That's So Raven. And while the third Cheetah movie was in production, she was filming a different movie called College Road Trip with Martin Lawrence. So, yeah, she was... At college. Can you hear my air quotes? She was in college with Martin. (laughs) After that third movie, the group and the franchise slowly start to fizzle out. They made a couple of guest appearances in some other Disney Channel programs. Disney Channel loves a (laughs) cross-promo. Listen, they released this other album that was separate from the movies that didn't do so well. And then slowly but surely, their music videos and their behind-the-scenes promos on the channel weren't played anymore as the network started to shift to newer projects. Uh, I know that Raven wanted to focus on her music career, though. Like, she made these little snide comments here and there about her decision to leave and how that was going for her. I remember there were these clips of her, like, concert events, and she would be trying to explain to the audience why she left. Um, no, here's the, here's the reason why. So, first reason is because I've been a solo artist since I was five years old, and I think if I'm a part of a group, it kind of confuses the type of music that I do, and I never want to confuse you. One. Two, I was doing college road trip. I was doing it. I'm also thinking about that one time on 106 in Park, <laughs> and somebody was like, Raven, where's your new music? And she was like, Aren't I always in the studio making music that nobody buys? (laughs) And, And you know, it's the self-awareness for me. You still in the studio working on music, too? Aren't I always in the studio working on music that nobody buys? So, um... wow. I am on my fifth... You bought it? That... You just saying that because you're on camera. Anyway... I'm just playing with you, sweetheart. You probably are. Um, No, I am working on my fifth solo album, and hopefully it'll be out by next year. Let's hope y'all keep saying that when it comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I can't knock a black woman for trying to go off on her separate career path and make some coin, okay? Diversify. Diversify your portfolio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some people's careers are just more popular than others, and that's what it is. Right. After the Cheetah Girls fizzle out, all of its members go off on their own unique career paths. Raven's resume extends way beyond her Disney Channel days. Like, she went on to record her own albums. She performed on Broadway and Sister Act. She starred in a couple movies here and there. And she was a panelist on The View. In a similar manner, Adrian goes on to be a host of The Real. Mm-hmm. The best TV show to watch when you're getting your hair braided. <laughs> Listen, I feel like Adrian really led me through some shit, like hour six getting my hair done. She was mm-hmm. keeping it peppy, so I was keeping it peppy, you know? Okay. She was there for me. Sabrina goes on to compete in not one, but two seasons of Dancing with the Stars, and then she kind of like, you know, steps out of the limelight. And then there's Keely, Keely Williams, who makes some interesting career choices post to Girls. She releases a song called Spectacular. Whew. 
<laughs> it has one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Can I tell you what it is? Please. It's, I think he pulled a track out while he was blowing my back out. So it's the morning after. I couldn't get home faster. Doing the walk of shame in the same clothes from yesterday. I think he pulled the track out when he was blowing my back out. What was I drinking? I can't believe I blacked out. Last I remember I was face down. Where's Jesus? <laughs> like, I'm going to pray for her. Just a picture. Like, the lyrics instantly transport you. Should we pray for her right now? Dear God, Josh, would you like to lead us in prayer? I hope that Keely Williams stops destroying girl groups. Because she also was on this show on BET called The Encore, and they had, like, a bunch of different girls that were in old girl groups. Oh. So, like, they had the girls from 702. <laughs> they had the twins from Cherish. They had Aubrey O'Day from Danny DeCane. And they had Keely. And let me tell you, Keely was up to some shit. Did you know it was nine Okay, well, I wouldn't be considered a part of the nine because I'm not here to be in the group, Bubba. Yeah. What are you here, here for? <laughs> I'm here to be a creative director. I'm here to help you guys become a group. No, no. Okay, no, I thought everybody in here was going to be a part of the group. Yeah. Yes, I think that she should have just stayed in her lane and gotten a KFC sponsorship deal. But, you know, we all make our own choices. Create your space. Create the space. Anyway, many, many years had gone by, but there was still some low-key unsaid tension between the Cheetah Girls that none of us knew about until... Until that IG Live between Raven and Keely in 2020. When I tell you that this is what got me through the pandemic. I love gossip more than anything. I love a long game. I thought the Cheetah Girls were cool. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, Raven and her sandwich were ready to fight. (laughs) Raven's eating a sandwich. Keely's busy breastfeeding her kid. And it's just truly the most chaotic way I can think of to squash beef with someone. Okay. I know I was just staring. Sorry, I'm waiting to see if somebody will say yes to my request. But they haven't. I heard Keely was live. That's what I heard. What's up? Oh, my peanut butter sandwich is ready. Hey. Oh, hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Hi, Mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, everybody's been asking about Cheetah Girl stuff. And, like, why didn't you do the third one? The clickish way. That there was during mommy, that movie mm-hmm. made me feel excluded from my original team set and ostracized. Yeah, that makes sense. I was talking to Sabrina about that, and I was like, I think a lot of it was we had been touring and like they put us in like a group, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we were like this thing, right? And so it was just kind of weird and i can understand from your standpoint but like for us we're like but she's raven you know <laughs> like she's well you know like you were i mean i'm not trying to, like you didn't like abuse your power <laughs> whatever that is <laughs> but you were like i mean come on you still are you're like raven you know you have one fucking name okay like that's a thing like so we, I guess. And then I, let me tell you what you did, Keely. Let me tell you what you did that made me mad. What? 
back in the day, your little came up to me. You were like, I auditioned for the Cosby Show too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just lost a fight. Like, oof. So we have some insight into what happened, right? Right. Keely was being messy, per usual. Mm -hmm. Raven wasn't having it, and so she dipped. But as Raven said at the end of their call, there's still one relationship that Keely hasn't faced. But you know what's the next one? You know what's next in the list? What? What are you saying? You gotta talk to Adrian, dude. Why do I have to talk to Adrian? Because you're the firecracker. No, she didn't come to my dad's funeral or call me when he died. No. Yeah, so there's definitely more to this KFC story. I don't even have to say it. Y'all know. (laughs) But drama aside, Josh, like, if you actually sit and think about it, the rise of the franchise is kind of incredible. Yeah. We just didn't see too many stories that centered black and brown girls like this. Especially global ones. Not to mention, like, on the Disney Channel. Yeah, exactly. Disney Channel, Whitney Houston, like, this was a big deal. And so many of us saw ourselves through the Cheetah Girls, myself especially. I hear you. I hear you, Jasmine. And I think there's a voice missing from this journey down memory lane. Like, none of these Cheetalicious memories would be possible without one specific person. And I think it comes as no surprise that she has her own take on how this franchise, with all its ups and its downs, came to be. So, it's time we hear a word from the woman, the legend, the Mama Cheetah herself, Deborah Gregory. There's so many people of color from all countries all over the world. You have no idea. So I wanted that. To me, it wasn't like just black. Deborah grew up in and out of foster homes in New York City. When I was growing up, being yellow, even though I'm black, yellow, I see the world in a certain way. Like, I see so many people of color. But I was picked on, bullied. My nickname was Casper the Friendly Ghost. That was horrible. She said that reading and writing was important to her because in the foster home, the woman who took her in didn't know how to read or write. But Deborah had a thing for words and creating worlds. She became a magazine writer. She wrote a lot about girl groups, and she was approached to write a children's series. It didn't come right away, and then it became this thing that's very important in life anyway. What do you know? So look at me. All I had to do is see my dog in his leopard bed with his leopard coat, my leopard bedroom slippers, my whole apartment. It's like, oh, do what you know. And uh, it was so me, the Cheetah Girls. I wanted to create something so fabulous that's not white that white girls would want instead of the other way around, meaning... Oh my God, I want to be a Cheetah Girl. I want to read the Cheetah Girls. That was part of my vision. How about creating something so we switch the tables a little bit? Remember we were saying earlier that the book was all about black girls. Then it became a film. I wasn't so sure that they would like it, truthfully. Because, you know, people talk a good game. Oh, we'd like some more diversity. Mm -hmm." And then there they are, back with the blonde ambition. And let me tell you, when it came to the casting and we were seeing the girls, they were coming in in certain colors and it was over my head. Who has final say? Not me. I wanted unknown girls because then the kids would really think it's real. 
You know, it will be hard for me to say, but I'm going to say it. I did not want Raven because remember what I said. I wanted the kids to really think this was real. And I knew that there would be a problem. And voila, what happened? But Deborah, she knew that she had to give a little to get a little. The film, it just wasn't going to have the same sort of representation as the series. That's part of the whole thing of being an artist, is that you have to detach. Because once you have other people involved, you don't have final say anymore. But despite having to release some control, she knew that the film was going to mean so much to its audience. Now, the most important part about this whole thing, so you know, was the kids just all over the world. These girls of color were just fiending and the costumes and the this and that. That was fantastic. But I didn't realize it was going to reverberate so much. Nobody sits down to write a flop. There is no formula. There is no guarantee. These things just take off. And, you know, what I also wanted to say, you know, my writing career isn't over because I'm still here breathing Cheetalicious, and, you know, it's part of who I am. Growl power forever. My cheetah girl, my cheetah sister. Yes, my cheetah sister. This is the part of the show where we take a page from the patron saint of this podcast, Tyra Banks, and ask ourselves, did we... Learn something from this! I think we did. I think we learned a lot. First and foremost, we re-familiarized ourselves with the Great American Songbook, the Cheetah Girls discography. <laughs> but also, you know, it's interesting to revisit the Cheetah Girls, not only as an adult, but as a person who works in the medias and sort of knows how the sausage gets made. Mm-hmm. Again, as much as I loved seeing these dark-skinned girls on the cover of the Cheetah Girls books, and I remember feeling disappointment and confusion when that wasn't the case for the films, like, the film still existed, the franchise still existed, and we still had black girls. And Mark. (laughs) (laughs) We still had black girls and their white friends at the foreground of this massive, global, incredibly successful mainstream franchise, and that's not lost on me. You don't remember, like, when everybody for Halloween was the Spice Girls? Oh, my God. And we only had one. Exactly. Now, the white girl had to be Dorinda. And you just be happy that you're here, Becky. Josh, uh, are you you okay? You need to talk about something? I, it's, it just feels fresh. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> but you're right. That's an incredible point. The Cheetah Girls franchise gave us options. Exactly. It was just really... The cool's not the right word, but it was really emotionally fulfilling mm. to have this period of time where, you know, the biggest franchise, like the coolest characters, the crossovers, you walk into the Target and you'd see all these black girls staring back at you. You know, I think one of the lucky things, lucky might be the imperfect word, is that the Cheetah Girls is a franchise targeted to young people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like it came out this year and it's a bunch of adults on Twitter being like, fuck this shit, like, <laughs> dark-skinned girlies? As I would do if I uh, saw the Cheetah Girls come out now. But um, 
it still meant a lot that they existed, that they were there. And in order to have real progress, you have to make a first step. And the Cheetah Girls were a good first step. And that first step, that's what is interesting to me as, like, someone who works in the medias, as you said. But also, I think that all of us just have, like, that moment where we've made something and we had a vision for it. And then in order for it to get made, we have to change something that we feel really strongly about. Mm-hmm. So we heard from Deborah about how she had to pick and choose her battles to get the Cheetah Girls, the film series franchise, in existence. But what do you think about the KFC battles? What do you think <laughs> about the baggage that Adrian and Keeley brought to the Cheetah Girls brand? So. Any time that you have a work relationship with someone, money's involved, feelings are involved. You have to exist on tour buses and in tight spaces. And it's really hard for me to think of doing that without constantly checking in emotionally and trying to be as emotionally mature as possible. And imagine if someone in the group isn't emotionally mature. Right. I would be fighting. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. Like, not only are you in these close spaces and spending all this time together, but ideally you're, like, coming into money, maybe for the first time. Mm -hmm. You're getting fame and success. Mm -hmm. And we know that fame and success isn't applied evenly. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it gets really tricky. And we also, as we've mentioned, like, these are young women. These are women in their late teens, early 20s. And they're learning to be adults, but together in public. And your boss is a mouse. Like, <laughs> like help. I do miss girl groups, though. Ugh. And it was really fun to, like, go back to a time in which girl groups were so ubiquitous that, like, we had a fake one that became a real one. And it was fun. It was just part of the magic. <sighs> just thinking about it. I think you're right. Back Issue is produced by Pineapple Street Studios. I'm the host and senior producer for the show. My name's Josh Quinn. Thanks for hanging with me. Back Issue was created by myself and Tracy Clayton. Our producers are Janelle Anderson, Zandra Ellen, and Ari Saperstein. Our editors are Leela Day and Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is Bria Mariette. Our executive producer is Leela Day, and our intern is Noah Camuso. Today's episode was produced by Janelle Anderson, Get It Girl, and edited by Leela Day. Our sound engineers include Sharon Bardales, Davey Sumner, Jason Richards, Jade Brooks, Marina Pais, Pedro Alvira, and Raj Makija. Art designed by Cadence 13 and original music by Raj Makija and Don Will. Executive producers for Pineapple Street Studios are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Regarding Josh. You can follow the show Instagram at BackIssuePodcast. And you can use the hashtag BackIssuePodcast if you're still on Twitter. Because you sound like a dangerous individual and I like you. Sit next to me. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Leave it a review, especially if it's five stars. It really does help. Audi 3000.